Hello and welcome back to Irish Football Fan TV. This is the final word. Finland won Republic of Ireland nil in the UEFA Nations League, the third of three international games that came up. Gary, obviously, we've kind of gotten over the rawness of the defeat, but let's kind of start off at the very, very beginning. And obviously, the lineup we had a lot of players drafted in because of COVID, a lot of young lads and players that kind of been on the fringes. But the surprise, I suppose, in the lineup was the inclusion of Daryl Horgan from the start, Sean McGuire, and then obviously yeah. Daryl O'Shea making his first cap starting at centre back. Uh, what were your thoughts when you initially seen the lineup? Yeah, so they were the three surprises. I, I actually thought he would go with Kevin Long um, because he only got about 25 minutes on Sunday. Um, Daryl Horgan, for me, was a shock, but. When I thought about it, I said, no, it's actually the right call because he had played so well off the bench on Sunday, so it made sense to start him. Uh, Johnny Maguire was a big surprise for me. Um, I, I certainly wasn't expecting him to start. I thought he'd either persist with Shane Long from Sunday or probably go with Adam Ida, who would come back into the squad. So, yeah, they were the surprises. Everything else was pretty much as expected. And... Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but I mean, I think we're still, I suppose, at a stage where we're getting used to the new manager, and maybe especially with players coming in and out, it can be very difficult to predict the lineup. Yeah, I think the thing with Horgan is he's obviously worked with Stephen before, so Stephen knows what he'll get from Daryl Horgan bringing him into the team. And I thought, out of most players that played against Wales, I thought he was the one that showed a bit of spark about him and a bit bit of sharpness about him. Maybe it's because he started the season well with Wickham and is in a little bit of form. Maybe that's why he was drafted in. And let's not forget he was drafted in late on. Uh, but anyway, I thought I thought he'd done okay uh, in the game. But kind of the first 15 minutes was very, very quiet. Uh, but we started well in terms of we were pressing high. We were trying to get at them early. And we were kind of showing, showing signs sorry, that we were kind of going to try and get after them they were happy enough to sit and just kind of sit in a low block and kind of absorb the pressure and then kind of I suppose as the game went on look to maybe capitalize and take a bit of momentum themselves which is kind of the way the game went anyway I mean the only real notable chance I can remember us really having was when Connor Howard Howard sorry had a free kick a quick one and he, he gives it out left to Sean McGuire cut in uh, square the ball into the box Horgan kind of miscontrols it gives it back out to Hendrick and he takes a shot and it it hits the defender but I see the replay behind the goal it looked like it was going straight at the keeper anyway so unless it was getting deflected it was never really going to go in but that was our kind of best notable chance their most notable chances when Camera had a shot from distance and Randolph saved comfortably enough and then Pukki nearly got in behind Shane Duffy, I think it was, and then Shane actually came across. It looked like he got a, a, a stud to it to kind of help it go wide, but it, it did go wide, and it was a bit of a scare. The signs were there that if, if we do take them lightly, that they will punish us. But all in all, your, your thoughts on the first half, what were you thinking? Because we watched it on the, on the watch-along together. Yeah, so I think you summed it up pretty much. That's uh, all the major points. I thought Pookie actually did get in behind. I know... Uh, the referee gave a goal kick and he was he was certainly claiming a corner so you're probably right about the stud but even watching the replay it didn't really seem to change the direction too much I think Pookie really should have hit the target with that one that was a good chance 
uh, the Jeff Hendrick chance, I wouldn't be as harsh on Darren Horgan. I think he did well to get it back to Jeff. Yeah, he probably should have done better. He was just inside the box. He had plenty of time, and uh, at least he did hit the target. It was a good block, but yeah, as you say, it was pretty much straight down the middle of the goal, or it would have been the keeper should have got it uh, if it went through. But of course, it could have got a deflection, could have gone anywhere. Um, at least we were having efforts on goal and taking chances on the shots. So, I mean, you're asking people, I suppose we were saying maybe a bit on Sunday, we were uh, expecting people to shoot a bit more. So, um, I don't know, then when people shoot, you don't, uh, I know it's, look, uh, it's just frustrating when we don't score, you know, that's, uh, and I know we can all end up contradicting ourselves and everything, but um, yeah, it was actually, I, I was happy with the performance in the first half, but um, we, I, I think we were slightly the better side, although I think probably nil-nil was a fair enough result at half time. but um, we didn't open them up enough. We didn't create enough chances. Um, interestingly, the possession stats didn't weren't really in our favour as much as they had been in, in other games, even though we had, I think we had done most of the attacking. Yeah, well, I think with with us, we've gone into the last three games at halftime thinking, okay, we've done well. You know, all we really need here is a goal and we might be able to get this game. I think if we get a goal, we might be able to take control of the game or we can decide if we're going to sit low and maybe try and absorb the pressure. Again, I kept saying this before on a couple of games that I'd like to see us take the lead to kind of see how we, we would be. Obviously, it hasn't been the case yet. I'm sure that will be the case at some point in the future. Uh, despite what everybody online, well, not everybody, but a lot of people online want to kick, throw the boot in and stuff like that already. But look, you just take no notice of that for the moment because I think this is a work in progress and we'll come to kind of the rest of the stuff in a minute. But I think it, it is a work in progress. And we, I know myself and yourself are probably more patient than others because we've been through transitions and we know that they take time. But this is a total different uh transition in terms of this is from grassroots right up to senior team and kind of the way that we want to play going forward and we've been miles behind and that's obviously down to people like John Delaney and stuff like that for stunting the growth of Irish football but anyway we're, we're, we're going in half time and we're thinking okay we get a goal here and maybe we can kick on and, uh, and take the game to them there was no changes at half time Robbie Brady comes on the 52nd minute Sean McGuire comes off, who was largely ineffective. And I feel sorry for him sometimes because when I see he's not getting picked in squads and stuff like that, I feel sorry for him sometimes because he does well with Preston. But then when he comes into the Irish squad for me, he just doesn't justify playing. Um, and I look at other players that play and I feel like they give it more. Now, whether he's isolated or so on, but any of the games I can recall him starting in recent times, other than the New Zealand game, he has never really made an impact. And I'm even including Georgia in that in Mick McCarthy's first game. He pretty sure he started that game and done nothing in that game. And then Mick McCarthy never really played him that often. He was he was largely a substitute. He was in and out of the team. And look, he was he was substituted anyway. You can give me your thoughts on, on McGuire in a sec, but Brady comes on and Aaron Connolly goes central, which was something that we all wanted to see. But what were your thoughts when that kind of happened? Yeah, so I, I... I agree. Now, what I would say about Shawnee Maguire is it doesn't really suit him to play the lone striker role. 
I think he really needs somebody up top beside him because he did, as you say, get isolated a lot. And uh, service wasn't great either. But Shawnee is kind of uh, kind of off the shoulder. He's also quick. He's a good finisher. But um, I suppose the chances didn't fall. So I suppose the substitution wasn't uh, that big a surprise. Yeah, and it was good to see Aaron Connolly down the middle. Um, I think we've talked before. I certainly feel Aaron should should definitely be virtually an automatic starter for any Irish team at the moment. So whether that's on the left or, or down the middle. Um, so, yeah, and Robbie Brady, he does bring something extra to the side, that bit extra bit of quality on set pieces as well. So maybe that was in Stephen's thinking when he got him on. But, um, yeah, at, at 52 minutes, we were still looking... Well, we were still looking pretty good and pretty comfortable. And uh, I would have said at that stage, if anyone was going to score, we were. Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, what you said about McGuire is right. But he needs to show more himself. And it's easy for me to say, watching it on a TV screen, and I appreciate that. But I just feel as other players, they give it a little bit more when they're, when they're in that position. Now, has he got in his locker to start producing for him? I think so. But he just needs to start doing it. But anyway, enough about him. Sparv has gone out of his way in this game to take our players out. He tried to do his best to take Aaron Connolly out of the game, actually, in the first half, which I skipped over. Uh, he halved him completely with a challenge. He looked like he had hurt his wrist. He came back on with taping on his wrist. There's been nothing confirmed whether he injured it or whatever, it sprained or anything like that. Nothing's came out. But I don't even think he got a yellow card for that. And I'm just... I was watching it and he that's the type of player that we need is someone to just come in and be that one who just breaks up play be it horrible but I think there's a little thing with our team at the moment as we're maybe a little bit too nice as well what do you think? Yeah that's probably a, a good a, a good point because yeah Sparv is probably their enforcer now he's Decent enough player in central midfield as well. He's been around a long time. I think he's around 33 or so. Bit of a journeyman around Europe. I mean, he's been in Holland and a uh, couple of other countries. I can't even remember where he's been now at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't really have that kind of physical presence or any any anyone even to that kind of an enforcer. I mean, it's not the way Stephen Kenny plays either. Um, I, su- I suppose if you want to go back to Stephen Kenny's side, maybe the Chris, Chris Shields would have been uh, that type of player for him in the in his Dundalk side. But um, yeah, Sparv certainly put himself about, and the referee left him away with quite a bit. I, I, I thought it was a yellow card, definitely that foul on Aaron Connolly. And uh, and of course, when he doesn't get one, then it gives him license to continue. I mean, some of the players, they get a yellow card and then they have to tone it down a bit and uh, watch, be much more careful with their next challenges. So, um, yeah, um, but I I don't think too many Finns will be concerned about about that. I mean, they'll be very happy with his performance and and with Glenn Camera beside him as well. Uh, The the, the Finnish midfield, I don't think it controlled the game as much as it did in Dublin, but they... The two of them, I thought, played well again. Yeah, when you talk about the the midfield, Dublin, we all know how what was going on, the situation there regarding preseason and stuff like that. So I didn't read too much into that game. I know you were 
you know, raving about Camara. It's Chris Camara's cousin, is he? Um, I'm not sure. But you were raving, <laughs> you were raving about him anyway, and saying that he was he was brilliantly ran the midfield. I genuinely just think that was just down to preseason fatigue, and I think you seen last night our lads were were zipping around the place. I felt Malumbi was everywhere. I think he burnt out towards the second half. Really good the first half. So it was the second half that he burnt out a little bit. Maybe all that running throughout the two, the two games he played kind of caught up with him towards the end, which is fair enough because, as I mentioned on the watch along, is that he just gives us that energy in midfield. It looked like he, he was just getting tired towards the end anyway. But um, Howard done decent as that uh, holding midfielder again. Well, at least we know we can trust him in that position to be that anchor if we need him to be. And then Hendrick does well for... The chance for Andy Stevens, he carries the ball, and uh, I would say I, you might think I'm being harsh here, but I say kind of luckily gets the ball to Andy Stevens, and Andy Stevens had kind of made a run up into that centre forward position that he did against Slovakia two games previous, and then he gets the chance and hits the crossbar, and you know on another day, and I keep saying this, that kind of creeps under the crossbar, and I think we're going on. I think we're going on to win that game, maybe 2-0. Such as fortunes have it. Um, I think Matt Doherty had a chance just before their goal, or else it was just after it, where he takes a shot. And if he's wearing a Spurs jersey, I believe that goes in. But such is our look with Ireland at the moment that we just cannot buy a goal. He scuffs it wide. And then they, well, Darren Randolph gifts a goal to them. Basically tried to play a quick goal kick out to Matt Doherty. He didn't read it. I think he was really looking. He looks around as if to say to Darren, like, what are you doing? Uh, and then Duffy tries to cover it. Uh, it's just one big kind of mess. It's like a pinball in the box. Um, Darrow Shea tries to head it away and he heads it straight to Jensen and he's there and he volleys, he volleys it in, or half volleys into the corner and they're 1-0 up. And it was a real killer blow because the goal came from absolutely nowhere. But what were you thinking at this point? Because obviously, the end of the chance, the match chance, and then that happened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the match chance was before their goal. Um, it was probably, I think, our best spell in the, about the five or six minutes before the goal. I mean, if you hit the crossbar, it's only a couple of inches in it. I mean, if that goes in, I agree. I think we would have won the game. Matt Doherty, maybe a little bit more composure. Could have hit the target. Just seemed to fly off his boot and go wide. Um, but then, the, yeah, so, okay, you missed chances. It was still nil-nil. I thought we were definitely on top at that point. Yeah, Darren Randolph, fair play to him, put his hand up and said the goal was his fault. Um, on our Instagram. Yeah, it was. It's a, yeah, on our Instagram. It was a, I mean, it was a sloppy one. Um, it's frustrating. It's, I mean, I know, okay, I, I will come up with some, I actually don't believe this myself, but I will say what some people will say. And they will, and they'll be right in this. There is no way Mick McCarthy's team would have conceded that goal because there is no way Mick McCarthy's team would be trying to take a goal kick, trying to get on the ball. We had been a little bit on top. It was trying to take a quick goal kick, get Matt Doherty up the wing, put more pressure on the home side. And uh, unfortunately, it was just a little bit too quick. And uh, Daryl Shea was off balance as well. I mean, he was falling to the ground when he headed the ball to Jensen. So... I, I give him a pass on that one, to be honest. And it's just, it's a bad goal to give away, but it's just unfortunate. Um, I suppose the frustrating thing is, I said Mick McCarthy's side wouldn't concede a goal like that. Finland don't concede goals like that. And it is part, 
it is part and parcel if you want to play at a quick tempo, if you want to pass the ball more, you're going to make mistakes at the back. And, yeah, they look bad. They look terrible. But, I mean, and people don't necessarily see the goals you score from doing these things. The, the attackers you draw in, the space you create further up the pitch. But, yeah, I thought we were desperately unlucky to go behind um, at that point in the game. Uh, had we done enough to go out to be ahead, maybe, but definitely Finland did not deserve to take the lead at that stage. They had just been, I mean, they've beaten us twice, and you have to say hats off to them, but they're, they're more us under Mick McCarthy. So if you want to say, if, yeah, what am I saying? Mick McCarthy's Ireland would beat Stephen Kenny's Ireland, maybe, but it's, is that type of football the way you want to play? Um, but we need to be, I, I suppose they don't, I, 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 I'm rambling a bit, I appreciate that. But really what I'm trying to say is the, a team like Finland, they're a well-organised 4-4-2. They're not going to give away the bad goals like that, but they're not going to create too much either. Um, we're in a, a transformational phase when we're trying to play a totally different style of football that we haven't really played before. And sometimes it can be really, really frustrating when you, you get caught out and you give away a goal like that. Um, but it was it was a real kick in the teeth when they scored. And you could see for about five... That's one thing I didn't like. For about five, ten minutes after the goal, the head seemed to drop. Um, players really were... We were all at sea and we could have conceded a second one at that point. And it was just... It was such a body blow. And I think um, th that's one of the things Stephen will have to work on is the, the reaction when you concede. But yeah, we did, I just want to touch on what... Sorry, I thought you were finished. Sorry. No, that's um, okay. It's... I just... What, what Darren said was um, he wrote uh, our full-time reaction was full-time Finland won nil Republic of Ireland Jensen goal thoughts and he wrote, he commented underneath himself saying it was my fault the lads did brilliantly and the young ones coming in we didn't deserve to lose that game and it was my mistake that cost us I held my hands up 100% it was my fault we didn't at least take a point so I thought that was very admirable of him to come out and say that and take the blame for the result which other players would have never really done and I think that shows the character of the man who has saved us time and time and time and time and time yeah. again and especially times when we were really low and I, I, I think of the game against Northern Ireland which I know was only a friendly that game but still there was kind of national pride on the line there and he kept us in that game when we were just absolutely horrendous um, and we have been I think even in the campaign under Mick I felt as though Darren was one of our players of the campaign and I think that says something about how he's because there's a lot of times he has to be the one that's keeping his concentration when he hasn't had a lot to do or something like that especially in these games that we've dominated a lot of the games but ultimately in this case and I think we are quite fair in terms of our criticism when a player does well we'll equally criticize when they haven't played when they haven't played well so he just made one mistake in the whole game I'm sure players have made mistakes on the pitch the whole game and none of them get you know, criticise half as much as that. The harsh reality is, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a goal and it's cost us the result. But like, let's 
just kind of, I know it costs us the result, but let's talk about the subs and, and, and then late on, you said the heads drop, but I think Stephen Kenny made substitutions. Again, I think sometimes maybe he th- his substitutions are very, very late in the game. I think at the, the subs against Wales and even a couple of subs in Slovakia, I always thought they were quite late. I'd, I'd be wondering maybe around the hour mark, could you bring someone on for half an hour? They might make more of an impact. But he seems to bring them all on on the 75th minute. Um, I appreciate Jason Knight came on in the 83rd minute. But Ida and Curtis came on for Horgan and Hendrick. And we... He like what I will say is his substitutes are always positive. So he tried. Well, I know he brought on Josh Cullen for against Wales, but that was just because we had players sent off. But he tries to be positive with the substitutes and bring on attack-minded players to go for goals. And the only real chance out, or there was two chances. Matt Doherty headed over from a corner, and then Ronan Curtis had a fabulous header that the keeper saved. It looked like it hit the post. It was a really good header, and it was an equally good save. And that was our probably our last chance. But when, when you seen the subs, what were your, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so I mean, I, I agree. I, I I give him a pass on Slovakia because it was looking like extra time at that stage. I agree. I think we said it in the watch along. We were hoping this some some of the subs would be made a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, the subs were, were definitely positive. I mean. Adam and Ronan coming on, I mean, definitely two attack-minding players. We were a goal down, so we had to chase the game anyway. Um, and, and there were the chances, as you mentioned. them. I mean, it was an absolutely superb save from their goalkeeper. And, uh, yeah, if you want to say a tale, of, a tale of two goalkeepers, but, I mean, Darren, as you said, had, had, has been our saviour so many times in the past. So, yeah, but he was absolutely, I mean, the, the, the Ronan Curtis' header was right down in the bottom corner and the keeper had to go full length right down to his post and just just get a hand, a strong hand to block it. And uh, it was, look, a superb save. You have to just hold your hands up and say, well done. Um, yeah, it was it, it was frustrating. I, I don't think, I, I, I know I'm biased and a fan, but there's no way we deserve to lose that game. Um I mean, had we come away with a nil-nil or one-one draw, we'd probably say, "Yeah, decent result," but we we could have won it, you know. So it was a real sickener to actually lose. But um, yeah, what do you say? That's football, you know. Um, the one thing I'd say about Jason Knight, by the way, coming on for Jay Malumbi, it, it was very late. Uh, we talked about Jay, and I thought he he had a superb game. I was saying maybe after half time and just after that that he was a strong contender. For the man of the match, but he did he did fade a bit, and I suppose that's one substitution I would have liked to have seen about fifteen or twenty minutes earlier, and uh, it would have given Jason Knight more time on the pitch as well. And uh, but I mean, uh, you don't want to be too too critical about the substitutions. I mean, if the Ronan Curtis header goes in, it's it's seen as a masterstroke then. Yeah, well, I think what, what, you, what you said there about Noy is correct. I don't think he had any time to really influence the game in any way that he w- maybe would have liked. So, yeah, I, there will be one criticism of Stephen Kenny over the games will be the late substitutions. But in terms of his football, um, I really enjoy, I've really enjoyed the performances of the players. I don't think anyone has actually had a particularly bad game in this new system. I think maybe a month ago, Shane Duffy and John Egan weren't were that the races in regards to it, but they seem to have shored up those defensive frailties. And we look very much... You know, even the players that have came in, when we've kept the t- clean sheets in the other games, you know, Matt Doherty came in, filled in at centre-back, 
then you had Kevin Long. I know he came in for a little bit. You had John Egan before that. And we've shown signs that we can rotate. So it was Christie came in right full. But I think, I think Brian Kerr said it on, on Virgin Media was that even throughout all this COVID stuff, it actually gave Stephen Kenny a good chance to look at a good chunk of players that he probably might not have gotten a chance to look at them in competitive fixtures otherwise. So maybe in small ways, some of the, if you really want to take small positives out of the fact that COVID wreaked havoc on the squad, he now knows who, who we can kind of go to. Our biggest problem is, uh, sorry, the chances as well we kind of skipped over was Aaron Connolly had a two chance one. He hit the keeper, straight at the keeper, and then another one he probably should have squared to Daryl Hogan. And again, we'd yeah. be probably that was at that was at nil nil, and we'd still be talking about a win. But look, these are the, the fine margins of international football. But I'm just saying that the players that came in, I think everybody did a job to the best of their ability, and I don't think that anyone really let themselves down. I said Sean McGuire wasn't amazing. Again, I don't particularly think he had a really bad game. He didn't really affect the game, but no one stood out to me and went, you know, oh God, I wouldn't go near him again type of thing, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, that's fair comment. I think uh, the one thing about uh, all the issues we've had with COVID, close contacts, injuries, withdrawals is it has given other people a chance and it has given Stephen a good opportunity to to look at the players. I suppose the frustrating thing, I've said it before, is he's got to, he's now played five competitive matches. Most new managers get a few friendlies to, to bed things in, to try players out. And uh, it's just so different um, for him because he was, and I mean, especially his third, his third game as an international manager was that absolutely crucial playoff against Slovakia. And the reality is, if we'd won the penalty shootout, even if we got the same two results, people would be total, have a totally different attitude and would be just looking forward to the playoff final. Unfortunately, that was not to be. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think it's way too early to be... I, I, I'm... I, I am and I'm not, I suppose, surprised at the level of criticism, but I think it's it's way too early in his reign to be saying some of the things that are being said. Well, I think I think it's a it's a 50-50 thing, or maybe even like a 70-30 thing. I don't think it's a it's a full range of fans are calling for his head. There's a lot of people, a lot of good football people who are right behind Stephen, and you know I trust their judgment more than some fella who probably sat the whole game watching Twitter to see how we were playing while the game was probably on in front of them. That's just my opinion on it, and I'm not going to go too much into it or go, go talking about that. But I just, interestingly enough, was on our YouTube channel earlier, and I seen a comment there, and it says a comment from a Finn. You were much better uh, than in your home game, and you were playing away. After 210 minutes of football in the preceding days, plus two flights in COVID chaos, nothing to worry in the long term. That's already a formidable team. I thought it was a nice comment from a from a Finnish fan. Yeah, it was a nice comment. Um, and sometimes when we're as close and as as biased, which we are, um, as it can be hard to see the wood from the trees, and it can take an opposition fan to 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 see things maybe that we we don't see. I will. I know I've said mentioned Ryan Giggs before in Wales, but I'd like to give another example as well because, and it went. It, 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 
Stephen Kenny wasn't the first League of Ireland manager to take a club into the group stages. It was actually Michael O'Neill, as, as many people will know, with Shamrock Rovers. And he went on to manage Northern Ireland. And his first two years as Northern Ireland manager were pretty much, if you're looking at the results, were pretty much a total disaster. They took one point out of six against Luxembourg. They they really struggled. It took a while, a long time to win a game. But uh, there were green shoots there. There was optimism. The IFA stuck with him. The fans stuck with him. He um, he changed the style of play. And uh, it really bore fruit because they had a fantastic campaign in qualifying for Euro 2016. And should have qualified for the World Cup in 2018, only for an absolutely disgraceful refereeing decision against Switzerland. So, um, And Ian Baraclough is, is doing a job with them now as well. So, um, and there it was a case of the Football Association and the fans showing patience. And I know some people might not like me talking about Northern Ireland, but um, uh, I think nearly anyone would have to admit Michael O'Neill has done, did a fantastic job there. And uh, as he did at Shamrock Rovers, um, I, I, I know he's still so highly regarded in Tala. But um, so I suppose it is a question of just, being a bit more patient, give it a bit more time. Um, we'll see what next month will bring and uh, see what the World Cup draw will bring. Well, I think it's something as well is that people need to realise that you need you, you have to support a team whether they win or they lose. If you can't support them when they lose, don't support them when you're winning. Because it's a very serious... Like, I know people who text me to say oh you know oh even on my football team like they won't watch Ireland they would rather go football training and not watch Ireland and there's no interest in watching us but I guarantee you that if we're qualifying or you know on the verge of qualifying and scoring lots of goals it'll be the total reverse they'll be like oh yeah yeah source with tickets this that and the other so I'm not really concerned about these people who who say this, and the people just love a little rant on Twitter and stuff like that to try and get you know a bit of engagement out of for themselves. You know what I mean? Like I don't even reply to the negative comments anymore. I reply to the people who kind of see the bigger picture, but I don't even reply to to people who are just say Kenny out and stuff like that because I genuinely just think they're they're fishing. There is people out there who don't think Stevens is the right man for the job, and they have their opinion on who they think would be the right man for the job. But there's a lot of people out there who were whinging and crying and bitching and moaning when Mick was our manager that all we did was sit back, do nothing, and then hope to get a set piece and, and try and get Shane Duffy on the end of it. And that was our game plan and there was nothing more to it than that. And let's be honest, that's been our game plan the last year and a half before Steven. And, well, because it, you know, it was still the same pretty much with Martin O'Neill towards the back end of his reign as well. So, I think... We're playing a much better brand of football. People go, oh, yeah, yeah, passing's great and all, but passing doesn't win your games and possession stats don't win your games. Look, goals will come. I'm, I'm like, all we need is just one to go in, and I think goals will start coming and start flowing then again. I mean, even when we didn't have Robbie Keane, we had people like Simon Cox and these types of players scoring goals for us. You know, people will step up and start scoring goals for us. It's just, we need players to chip in from everywhere scoring the goals for us because it's no use just Shane Duffy being the man who has to be relied upon scoring all the time. And, you know, I think one thing has to be noted with him as well is that he's done a fabulous job being captain, 
you know, Seamus wasn't there. I think Shane doing a great job because you got to remember how many different centre-half partners did he have over this international break. And I felt as though he really, the player next to him didn't look shaky once. And another player I have to give a lot of credit to is Daryl Shea on his debut away from home against Finland, who have qualified for, for the Euros. Don't think they're a particularly amazing team or anything like that, but I thought he handled himself absolutely fantastic. Don't think he could have done anything for the goal. And for me, it was mad the match. And I think he's done himself, you know, very well. I would say he's probably in Stephen's thoughts for next month's squad. Yeah, I'd agree with a few things there. I agree with Daryl Shevy, and he was my man of the match as well. Just to back up a little bit, and in, in defence and in fairness to Mick McCarthy, Mick McCarthy was brought in to do a job and a short-term job, and it was to qualify for Euro 2020. And with Nick, you know what you get. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that pretty. It was okay. We didn't qualify. It was reasonably effective. I mean, who knows how the playoff would have gone had it been back in March with Nick involved? It probably would have been just as tight. May have gone to extra time, but possibly going to penalties. I think I predicted penalties back in March as well. Um, so I, I think that's in defence of Mick. Stephen is brought in to do a very different job, and we were unfortunate the way the playoff got moved from uh, from March to October. Uh, Stephen's job is a long term job, and as you said, Paul, it's uh, it's at all levels. It's back down to under 15s, 17s, 19s. It's changing the way we play, and for the first time ever, have. And, and this seems so simple and so logical, but we've never done it before, as have all the Irish teams at all levels playing the same way, playing the same style of football. Now, it's going to take time. And unfortunately, there are there are setbacks along the way. We've Some of the results haven't gone right. Um, we've missed out on qualifying for Euro 2020, or, um, which I know it's a, it's a terrible blow for all of us. But... Um, there were quite a few positives, as you say. And the likes of Darrow O'Shea, I think. We were talking before the game, if he did really well, he could come into the squad. I mean, I, I, I think he's uh, he's nailed on for the squad now. And I mean, we were talking in the watch-along, and I, I don't think this will happen, but he is already in contention possibly to break up the Shane Duffy-John Egan partnership because he did so well on uh, so well yesterday and another good young player Jay Malumby who was superb on Sunday and certainly had an excellent hour on yesterday uh, did fade a bit but look he had so much game time as well he brings and his style of play is so much action so much energy that it's no wonder that he faded or, or, or was tired out but I, I think certainly in these last couple of games we've found two potential players who will be around this squad for a long, long time. And it's actually very important because I, I saw another stat, and I, I won't recall it off the top of my head, but the the number of players we had that by the time the World Cup kicks off in Qatar in two years' time that will be over 30 and 33, 34, etc., was pretty scary. And we had one of the, the oldest squads uh, playing this month. So... Uh, it's great to see the likes of Jay Malumby, Darrow Shea come in and uh, make such a difference. And there's so many in the under-21 squad as well that have done so well under Stephen. 
that probably will get a chance as well. Well, I think you forgot Aaron Connolly in that uh, bracket as well. But oh, I'm sure you meant Aaron, uh, yeah, Aaron Connolly's already. Yeah, sorry. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Aaron Connolly's already in the squad. He's already a starter. Yeah, I did forget him from being one of the young players, but to me, he's already established in the team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and I agree with that, and you know, I think we'll start seeing more players coming through now. I think we'll start seeing um, Jason Knight probably coming through. It depends on what happens next month, obviously, with the with the under-21s. I think after that, then, when that's all kind of put to bed, I think then we'll start seeing maybe those players being brought into the World Cup qualifying campaign and stuff like that. And you might see the end of some players. You know, I think he's already kind of hinted at that. But look, I think there's a lot of positives. I think the only real negative for me is just that we haven't been scoring goals. I think everything, and obviously that we're not going to the Euros in 2020. Just to back up on your claim with Mick, I wasn't being, I wasn't criticizing Mick or anything like that. I was just saying the fans who are calling for, for us to change the style of play are now the ones that are crying over Stephen Kane. I know the same ones, I'd love to go back and check their tweets because they were the ones saying, oh, Mick has to go. Let's bring in someone who, you know, we're attractive to watch. It's just complaining for the sake of complaining. It'd be interesting to see when we start winning games, and it will happen. Will they be saying all this? You know, so look, I think we just need to stick with the manager. We just need to stick. I know me and you are going to, and everyone else within within the channel are going to, and I'm sure fans of the show feel the same way as us. And we just have to keep getting behind the team, no matter what. We are fans. We're supporters, so we support the team. We don't just bash them while they're down. And uh, you know, I think that, I think it says everything when someone like Darren Randolph comes out and and says what he says kind of how much it means to him that he he felt the need to come out and kind of publicly address it. So I think the players are hurt and you can tell they are hurting and they want it to go right. But you can feel as though the likes of Jason Malumbi, Dara O'Shea, Aaron Connolly and stuff like that, they've come in and they've probably been the three best players that have come into the squad. They actually look like they've been the ones that have been playing at the level for longer than the ones that are around them. Yeah, um, it's, it's probably a fair comment. Certainly, I mean, Aaron Connolly, I mean, well, um, in fairness to Mick, he'll say he brought um, Aaron, Aaron Connolly in. Um, well, maybe if he'd started in Georgia a year ago instead of um, coming off the bench, who knows? But um, although I suppose even had we beaten Georgia, we probably still would have finished third in that group. Um, but yeah, certainly for the last two games, the, the stars have been Jay Malumbi and Darrow O'Shea. And that's heartening to see. Probably a little bit of bad news for Jim Crawford because the under-21s have two massive games next month and he's probably looking at saying, how many of my players is Stephen going to take now? And uh, but and it, it's one I struggle with. Uh, I mean, I desperately want to see the under-21s qualifying. I feel like maybe we should leave some of them, but if Stephen needs them for the senior squad and... It's it's important in the nations league to it's important to avoid relegation and it's important to get a get a second seeding for the World Cup. So the, the games next month, the, the at least the two nations league games that we have, and potentially a friendly as well. Um, I've seen England being talked about as possible opponents, but uh, I think more of the informed speculation is that we'd be playing away to Bosnia. And despite the fact that Bosnia away doesn't sound as attractive as England, it's probably a smarter move from the FAI because uh, 
even the friendly is going to be so important for ranking points and uh, we're going to need some results because we're currently just hanging on to the second seeding spot. But unfortunately, Northern Ireland are playing Slovakia and Iceland are playing Hungary and, and the Northern Ireland, Slovakia and Iceland are three of the teams just below us. And barring some incredible series of results, they'll actually, a couple of them could move ahead of us. I think we need something like Iceland to lose to Hungary and Northern Ireland to beat Slovakia on penalties for us to keep the second seed before we kick a ball against Wales. So I have it here. Uh, I have the points here. Right. So they, we're, we're on one, 1,467 points. Slovakia are just one point behind us. And then Iceland are 1,461. Northern Ireland are 1,458. So that's the way it is. Yeah, so it's very tight. And unfortunately, well, the playoff point is, yeah. Yeah, but even even with Iceland and Northern Ireland, that's so close. I mean, that's you can lose seven or eight points. For um, had we beaten Finland, we would have been I think seven or eight points higher. So the and the, the unfortunate thing for us is these playoff finals are worth a lot of points to the teams in them. So if Iceland beat Hungary, they will jump ahead of us. Um, if Northern Ireland or Slovakia win the match in 120 minutes, they'll jump ahead of us. If Slovakia even win on penalties, they jump ahead of us. So I think the only thing that could work for us, I think, is Northern Ireland winning on penalties. That's the best result for us. And even then, we're still going to need at least a draw against Wales and a win over Bulgaria. So uh, although we're currently in the second seeding pot, it's going to be very difficult to stay there. And uh, even actually, it's possible we could even win the three games in November and not make it because if Slovakia, in particular, if they win their three games in in November, they will be second seeds because of just the waiting of the the playoff final. Yeah, and I, <laughs> scary times. But I just kind of want to go to to our Nations League group because I think the last thing to kind of talk about is the fact that we we're in a relegation battle now. We've, Bulgaria at the moment. Now, we're on two points. They're on one point below us. And Finland are above us in nine. Wales are on top with ten. So, we obviously have to beat Bulgaria and try and get a positive result against uh, Wales in our next round of games. So, we can only wait till then to, to, to suppose, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, well, if we beat Bulgaria, we're definitely safe from relegation. Um, a draw might be enough, depending on what happens. They're at home to Finland before they come to Dublin, and we're away to Wales. So, depending on those results, we might need to beat Bulgaria. Um, it's so important to stay up. I mean, you're going down to League C. Um, you're playing against much lower calibre of opponents. Financially for the FAI, these games would be disastrous. I mean, at least if you're in League B, you get to play it's better teams, more attractive games. And uh, oh, it's just it's just unthinkable that we could get relegated. I don't think we will. I think I think we've got enough to to stay ahead of Bulgaria and stay in, in stay in League B. And uh, but it could get nervous next month. Yeah. Well, look, I suppose we'll leave it there. And um, huge thanks to anyone who's tuned in and watched the final word. I hope you can stay as positive as we're trying to be. I know it's hard because results haven't been going our way. But onwards and upwards, we go into 
Bulgaria and Wales game next month, hoping to get a couple of goals and obviously some positive results. Gary, huge thanks for, for joining me as always. When you are ready, I'll get you to press that end broadcast button after people hit the subscribe and like button. Thanks very much, guys, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, guys.